This week in KMA Land, Iowa's 3rd Congressional District candidates face off in forum. Shen School officials seek athletic program revamp. Page County Supervisors talk TIF and turbines. Montgomery County Supervisors boost Stanton Trail Project. And Clorinda officials seek economic development tool. I'm Mike Peterson. Two contentious local issues were covered during Sunday night's Candidates Forum on KMA featuring Iowa's 3rd Congressional District contestants. Both incumbent Democrat Cindy Axney and Republican challenger Zach Nunn addressed questions pertaining to energy policy. Both candidates were asked whether they support wind turbine projects, including Invenergy's proposed Shenandoah Hills wind farm. Axney, who is seeking her third term in the U.S. House of Representatives, says Iowa has a unique opportunity to benefit from both wind and solar energy production. While saying she favors expansion of wind energy, the West Des Moines Democrat adds questions raised in local communities regarding such projects must be addressed and solutions to problems found. If we can upgrade these wind turbines to address those issues that these communities are facing, whether it's noise or whatever their concerns are, we should be able to do those types of things for them. It's not as if people don't want to have clean energy. They also just want to make sure that their lifestyle isn't in, you know, too much impacted by it. Dunn says supervisors in Page, Fremont, and Madison counties he's talked to feel there's a great opportunity in Iowa for wind turbines, a successful green energy. But the state senator adds local residents feel they have no voice in such projects. None favors three approaches to turbine projects. First amongst these is returning it back to our county supervisors and our local government to be able to have appropriate standoff for these and to make sure that we're not subsidizing an industry which is supposed to be able to stand on its own. Equally, we shouldn't be in a position where we have massive turbine blades that have no place to go and end up being a blight or a danger going forward. Both candidates were also asked whether they favor the use of eminent domain in acquiring property for proposed carbon sequestration projects, such as Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed Midwest Express pipeline. Nen says using eminent domain as a tool to force pipeline projects on landowners is something Iowa must be cautious about. Always, if there's the opportunity for a right of Way, meaning an area that's owned by the state or the federal government, those should be the first priorities. Second, there needs to be transparency in pricing so that one farmer and another farmer are not pitted off against each other in a bidding war. This should be clean from the beginning. And then third, we need to make sure that we have the ability to move our precious commodities to the places where they can be processed as well as be able to get them to ports in a safe, reliable fashion going forward. And the landowner, in those very rare circumstances where we need to find a way to get through, is fully compensated. Axney, meanwhile, says she's against any use of eminent domain for pipeline projects. Eminent domain should be used uh, for public good. I don't think that this project uh, rises to the level of that. Uh, certainly our farmers' land uh, should be used to produce the food and fuel that's so necessary uh, for this country and for this world. I want to make sure that if we're cutting through their land, we're taking any of their property, if anybody's going after that, that there's going to be, you know, something positive coming out about this. Immigration policy is another hot topic covered during Sunday night's forum as both candidates were asked whether they agreed with Florida Governor Rob DeSantis' recent use of state funds to fly illegal immigrants from Texas to sanctuary districts such as Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Calling the move a stunt, Axney says DeSantis should be ashamed of his actions. He took people's lives and played with them. It was very inhumane to do so. These were children. They d did not know what was happening. The sad thing is, is that too many people in the Republican Party are unfortunately making a spectacle out of the immigration issues that we face, dehumanizing people 
as a result of it and actually not accomplishing anything good, making the system worse. While saying immigration reform is necessary, Axne says Washington lacks the courage to do so, saying he's been to the southern border as part of Iowa National Guard operational missions. None accused Axne and the Biden administration of doing nothing to address immigration issues. The state senator lauded action taken in the Iowa legislature to allow authorities to check legal immigrants and migrants entering the state. He says illegals entering the country are put in impossible situations. Look, the reality is when I went down there, I rode with Customs and Border Patrol. I saw people who wanted to come to this country desperately, and they waited in line for some cases a decade and had received no help, and so came here illegally because it was the only chance they had. None also criticized Biden and the Democrats for failing to stop the flow of fentanyl into the country. When I was there, a backpack was found, and in there two pounds of fentanyl were discovered. That's enough to kill 500,000 people, or to put it into another perspective, the entire city of Des Moines. These are weapons of mass destruction. Our leadership in D.C. has a responsibility to fix this, and they've ignored it repeatedly. Axney had returned accused Republicans of failing to come to the table to solve problems with illegals. I don't need to go to the border on taxpayer dollars just to pull a publicity stunt. I work on this issue with my colleagues in Washington on a regular basis. I'm going to talk with the folks that actually represent those areas, and it's not, you know, and, and also look holistically at this issue. Uh, we absolutely need to protect our southern border. We also have ports of authority where we have to make sure we're addressing uh, mostly drug trafficking as well. So there's a lot to look at here. And again, I'll go back to the fact, come to the table, and let's talk full immigration reform. A video of Sunday's forum is available with a web story at kmaland.com. Shenandoah school officials are plotting a new course for the district's athletic programs. Reach, Revamp, and Reconnect is the title of a major initiative announced at the Shenandoah School Board's regular meeting late Monday afternoon. Shenandoah High School Principal Andrew Christensen announced preliminary plans for rejuvenating the district's activities. Christensen says the title is a starting point for future presentations still in the development phase. Basically, with Reach, we want our community to know that we're reaching out. Um, we're reaching out to our community. Um, we want trust within our community, uh, with our parents, with our um, business owners, um, with our students, with our staff, um, and when we're reaching out, uh, because right now, um, that's the best way that we can impact change. Christensen says revamping the district's athletics also involves eight pillars of success. The first involves youth athletic alignment from the top down. We're going to be working all the way down to help align so that our youth programs coming up, they understand the terminology, the vision, the verbiage, and the schematics that come into our high school programs. That way our students at a young age are learning what we do, how we do it, um, the drill work that goes into it. And so as they transition, it's a smooth transition from one program to the next. He says the second pillar is community buy-in and support. Obviously right now I think we know that we have some fingers pointing and we have some difference of opinion in some of our programs and the directions that we need to go. Um, and part of this, this project and part of this plan being proactive um, is building that buy-in and that support back with our community and making sure that they're involved, making sure we get them involved, and make sure that they're proud of Shenandoah schools and everything that we have. Another pillar is building connection and trust with parents and guardians. At this point in time in Shenandoah, uh, we have some amazing parents, we have some amazing guardians and amazing people. Um, but down to the core, I think we've lost some trust along the way. Um, you can see that in our athletic programs. Um, you can see that as a principal at times. Um, the phone calls that I get, um, rather than having an open, honest conversation, um, 
it comes and it starts with a lack of trust. And we have to build that trust through that conversation. The discussion follows the recent cancellation of Shenandoah High School's football season due to injuries and a lack of varsity players. Page County officials are exploring the association between tax increment financing and wind turbine projects. Meeting in regular session Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors heard a presentation from Maggie Berger with Spear Financial, the municipal advisor for the county, on the county's possible uses of tax increment financing, or TIF, and how it could apply to any new wind turbines constructed in the county. The financing is essentially freezes the proposed area's property tax at its initial assessment. And Berger says counties can collect receipts on any additional value added by the project and use them for a public improvement project. In addition, wind turbines have become a new location for the counties to set up an urban renewal or TIF district. So when you set up TIF district, you set it up around the what we call footprint of these wind turbines, and then those new turbines grow in valuation, they produce valuation, and you are able to draw the receipts off of that. The growth in the valuation of the wind turbines goes from 5% up to 30%, or I should say 0%, up to 30% in one-year increments at, at 5% every year. Berger, however, says most other counties typically limit their use of the TIF receipts to 80% or less of the possible amount to allow some of the funds to flow back into the county and school district's general fund valuations. Berger says the TIF receipts and the counties her company has worked with typically use the funds for road and bridge projects. She adds the connection line typically follows a county road or right-of-way to avoid including any parcels of land and limit the amount of land tied up in the district. Lorinda officials took another step this week to spur economic development. Meeting in regular session Wednesday, the Clarinda City Council approved a resolution authorizing an economic development grant to the Clarinda Economic Development Corporation. City Manager Gary McLarnon says the grant allows the city to donate city-owned properties at 600 and 608 East Lincoln Street as well as 107 South 11th Street to CEDC. Economic development would like to have those lots um, in order to uh, basically encourage more housing. So, uh, and we've done this in the past as well, and it's been very successful so far. The council later set a public hearing for its next meeting October 26th for the disposal of the property. McLaurin says the process follows state law to allow the city to transfer the property. In order to do that, we first have to authorize an economic development grant to CEDC and then if you guys approve that tonight we write them a check for the $22,000 that we're talking about here for the three properties and then uh, if that's approved tonight then we can turn around and go through the disposal of the property. The council additionally set a second public hearing at its next meeting concerning the vacation and conveyance of an alley north of the city's fire station. McLarden says the alley borders property and a garage owned by Jeff Williams. Originally we wanted to uh, buy that garage to put a backup generator in for the fire station. Well, that kind of fell through. Um, I talked to Jeff and he said that they still need use of the garage. So what I would like to do is I'd like to go ahead, vacate the alley. We will still give him access to that garage until the garage is no longer there or is irreparable. Then we'll still have the alley. But we'll go ahead and vacate it. But yet he'll still have use of that little portion. Clarence says city crews have begun work on a building north of the fire station that will house the backup generator. 
Clarenda School District is among those adjusting policies to reflect recently passed laws and discussions at the State House. By a 4 to nothing vote Wednesday afternoon, the Clarenda School Board approved the first reading of Iowa Association of School Board recommended policy primers for several of the board's policies. Among several others, the board approved open enrollment procedures for receiving and sending students. Governor Kim Reynolds earlier this year signed an updated law removing a March 1st deadline to submit an open enrollment request. However, board member Paul Boyson did have some concerns with a reason for rejecting an open enrollment request into the district as a lack of classroom space. That can be very subjective, and I have a feeling that if people question that, you'll probably have some legal proceedings. But the superintendent has to develop appropriate office procedures to deal with it. We do have some I'm aware of about applications and timelines and stuff like that. But we might want to take a look at those and make sure they follow, you know, pass muster with these changes. Additionally, among the policy primers were new guidelines on library materials to face the same inspection and possible challenges from school district community members as an instructional material. The recommendation also comes after separate bills were passed in the State House and Senate that would have required schools to provide online software for library books and course material. However, the Senate version also included uh, a proposed school scholarship program that ultimately died in the House. Boyson says it's a tough conversation as some library books or materials in question could be necessary to teach a particular curriculum. Some people thought uh, some of the materials in the school libraries were either either too uh, sexually oriented, too biased, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's hard to teach, be in education and not have some of that stuff because you cover some subjects that some people would rather you not cover. Also among the approved primers was a detailed plan of how community members can submit a challenge for reconsideration of use of any library books or materials. Clarenda School Superintendent Jeff Privia says the process, if needed, would include a reconsideration committee after a specific request form is submitted to the district. We would have them fill out the form that came with that yeah. policy. Then we would put our committee together, which included staff, parents, administration, and then we would review the information. Then we would just follow those forms and policies. Boyson expressed concerns that the committee's chair could potentially be someone outside of the district, but Privius says the district would likely lean on Green Hills AEA to assist as needed with the committee. Also included were slight updates to the curriculum development, implementation, and evaluation policies, primarily ensuring the curricular framework fits within applicable laws. Montgomery County officials are assisting Stanton's efforts in acquiring funding for an expansive trail project. At its regular meeting Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors unanimously approved a request to serve as a co-applicant with Stanton for a Destination Iowa grant application. Stanton Community Development Director Jenna Ramsey says the city seeks up to a million dollars in funding from the state program to complete Phase 3 of the project which extends the trail out to Viking Lake State Park. Ramsey says the city and the Stanton Community Foundation are working with Montgomery County Trails on two other portions of the project. Phase one is on the east side of Stanton. Phase two is uh, near Anderson Park there. And phase three is out to Viking Lake State Park. Phase two has actually been awarded a bid and uh, should be done here this fall. Phase one, we're still looking for funding. And phase three, 
We're still looking for funding. Ramsey says the city has explored possible avenues for applying for grant money through Destination Iowa, a $100 million grant program designed to bolster tourism across the state. After doing a few different drafts of applications and getting feedback, we received the feedback that it would be great since the phase one is owned by the city of Stanton and phase three is with Montgomery County. If they were co-applicants, it would really strengthen the application. If awarded the grant, Ramsey hopes the project's engineers would work with Stanton to determine the best design for Phase 3. We um, have the quotes and costs and things like that, but that's the great essence of a partnership, is working together to make sure everybody's happy. So making sure that there are people in the, with Montgomery County that would be willing to work on it. Ramsey says Stanton also seeks a partnership with the foundation and the county on managing the grant award. One estimate from the Southwest Iowa Planning Council places management costs at $10,000. The trail project's total price tag is estimated at $2.5 million. In other business, the board set the general election canvas for November 15th at 8.30 a.m. and rescheduled its November 8th meeting to November 9th because of the election. And Shenandoah officials are making a change in the servicing of its water tower. By a 4 to nothing vote Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council approved a termination of its maintenance agreement with Viola North America, formerly known as Suez Utility Services of Georgia. By that same vote, the council members approved a one-year full-service maintenance agreement with the McGuire Iron Incorporated for $17,450. City Water Superintendent Tim Martin told the council the McGuire contract is about $1,000 cheaper than the contract with Viola. McGuire Iron is more focused on water tower maintenance, and they build them. That's all they do. They're headquartered out of South Dakota, Sioux Falls. Or the rep- representative I've been talking to is, lives in Omaha. And uh, I just think that with this cost savings, uh, the rep is local. Um, I think it'd be, I'd, I'd like to recommend them and change, just to change it up. Martin says it takes three council members to approve the change in three months' written notice to Viola. The contract termination is required. Shenandoah fire officials say fire prevention begins at an early age. As part of National Fire Prevention Week, firefighters and fire cadet members presented the department's annual fire safety program to Shenandoah K-4 through grade students at the JK-8 building Thursday morning. Inside, students received a close-up look at the safety gear worn by firefighters during fire calls. Fire Captain Todd Maher explained how an air pack works. You see this, it's like a big air tank. You ever see a scuba diver? Yeah. It's kind of like scuba diving. It gives us air. So the air goes through this regulator here on the front. And if you look in there, there's little green lights. So can you see the little green lights? And yep, so that means that tells them how much air is in there. Two Shenandoah fire trucks were parked outside the building where firefighters demonstrated tools used in battling fires. Students also walked through one of the truck's cabs. Fire won't wait, plan your escape is the theme of this year's Fire Prevention Week. More information is available from the National Fire Prevention Association's website. We have a link with the web story at kmaland.com. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.
This has been a presentation of KMA News.